Well, I want to ask if you've ever noticed how someone's presence can change how you feel. Sometimes for the better, like having them in the room makes you feel good. And sometimes for the worse, like having them in the room makes you feel awful. Have you noticed how someone's presence can change how you feel? For example, when I was a little kid, we lived in Escort, and in my room, there was a big tree outside the room, and there was a light behind the tree. So every night as I went to bed, there were these crazy shadows that would have like appear on my wall. And as a kid, I remember just seeing like, I could see all these crazy like monster faces, like in the shadows of this tree, right? And there would be times I'd just like, get terrified. I'd get so scared, I'd call out to my parents, mom, dad, there's monsters in my room, right? And the moment they came in the room, I just need one of them to appear in the room. And suddenly their presence changed everything. Right, I mean, the tree was still there, the shadows were still there, but just having them in the room made me feel like, okay, it's gonna be okay, these shadow monsters are not gonna eat me tonight, right? And then I got a bit older, became a teenager, I lived with my mom, and there was a few times my mom would have to go away and she'd leave me at the house alone as an older teenager. And I tell you, on those nights when I had to stay by myself, I could hear every twig rub against every leaf. Right, and, and every single one of them sounded like a burglar. Right, and you'd like, you'd wake up because the door was now creaking. And you'd think, do I phone the police? Do I hide in the passage with a, like a bat, right? Because you think you're gonna have all these kung fu moves, right, the moment someone comes in. And, and so like, but then when my mom was at home, I would just sleep the whole night through, just so peacefully, like with no worries. Why? Because her presence just changed how I felt. Just having her there, changed my experience, it just changed my situation. Now, as an older man, I, I'm a husband, I have a wife, I got kids, and so let me tell you how it works now. Every night, I sleep so peacefully with my wife next to me in the bed. Then I wake up in the morning and I hear about these crazy adventures that happened in the night. All the things I've slept through, right? My wife will tell me about what happened. She'll say like, do you, do you know that the kids came? Like, I'll hear that the kids, you know, were crying and they, came to the room and they slipped on my face and like, I'm like, I didn't know, I didn't know. Like I just slept, like I slept right through that. But, but on the days she's not there, like on the nights my wife is to spend away, I wake up for everything. Like a kid scratches their head and I wake up and a kid turns in their bed and I wake up. Right, and a kid coughs and sniffs and I wake up and we have seven kids so I'll wake up so much. Right, it's like, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up the whole night long, and then my wife comes back and I just sleep right through the night because I know that if there's any sound, she's a light sleeper, she'll wake me up if there's an emergency, right? So just having her there changes my experience and now I want to remind you about what Christmas is all about. The entire message of Christmas, guys, is that God is here and I want to tell you that changes the experience. It changes everything. God's presence changes everything. Look at someone and say, God is here. And when we know that, when we truly believe that, everything changes. It literally changes your life. Now, God's presence was foretold. It was prophesied 740 years before he even came. 740 years before he was even born, it was told that he was coming. And it kind of boggles my mind. It reminds me how big God is, like how massive he is. He truly is just, he holds a universe in his hand. The fact that 
For seven centuries, they are waiting for this promise, this promise that we read about in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And this will be the sign, it says, Isaiah 7, 14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. This was a promise. Now, the people receiving this message from Isaiah would have known what Emmanuel means. The word Emmanuel means God is with us. And so this was a promise that a virgin would conceive a child and they would call him Emmanuel because God would now be with us. And I want to tell you, for the listeners of that day listening to Isaiah, this would have blown their minds. This would have been like, what do you mean God with us? Because they would have known that God's too holy to be with us. They would have known nothing can survive his presence. We can't be in the presence of God and live. He's too pure. He's too holy. He's too powerful. They would have been like, how could God be with us? They would have known about Moses who went up to the mountain and he couldn't look at God full in his face because he would have died. They would have known about the holy of holies in the temple that no one could go into except for one man, the high priest, and he could only do it once a year. And even when he went into the holy of holies, he had to tie a string around his leg in case he died in the presence of God and they wouldn't be able to go in and get his body because then they too would have died. And so they would have pulled him out by the rope on his leg. They would have known this God's too holy to be with us. And yet, as I had told at this time, that God, this God of creation, the sustainer of the world, the Alpha and Omega, this King of Kings, this creator of everything would dwell with us. And so they waited for 740 years, seven centuries of waiting for this promise, this time. And then we turn a few pages in the Bible and we read in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew's account of Jesus' birth. It says in verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. Finally, this promise was here. This promise that they had waited for for 700 years was here. If you carry on reading Matthew 1, let's read the next verse, verse 22. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Church, this is the good news of Christmas and it is good news. God came to dwell with us. This is what made the shepherds run into the fields and rejoice. This is what made the wise men fall down on their face and just worship God, this this. This truth, this revelation that God is not far away. He is not an observer and a watcher of your life. He actually wants to do life with you. He wants to do this life with you intimately, that the sustainer of the universe would actually want to come and dwell with you. This is the good news that transformed the world, that God would pour out his glory in order to be born as a human baby, fully man, fully God, yet without sin, because he wants relationship with you, with me. He wants to be with us. God doesn't want to be uninvolved and far off. He wants to be here. He wants to be with you. Look at someone and say, God wants to be with you. And I want to tell you, when he is with you, his presence changes everything. You think your mom and dad's presence changed something when you were a kid? You think your spouse's presence can change something? You ain't seen nothing yet. Because when God's presence truly steps into your life, 
when you truly understand the presence of God is with you all the time, it changes everything. Everything about your life changes. And I know that on some level we know this. On some level we get this because there are times where we pray for what? We pray for God's presence to be with us. Ever pray that pray, God, please be with me now? Hey, how many of you like, when you're going on a trip, when you're traveling, you're like, God, please be with me. Keep us safe. Lord, please help me not kill my kids in the seven-hour trip, right? Keep them safe. Hey, how many of you like, you're going to that exam, right? And the stress is like, you're like, boiling point. What do you pray? God, just be with me. Why? Because you know that if he could just be with me, Something would change. We know this on this intimate level that if God could just be with me, you ladies that have gone on those blind dates, how many of you are like, God, just be with me? Why? Like, I don't want him to be a stalker, right? It's like, God, be with me. Like, how many times going to shopping? Like, we have to go to the mall. What now? At this time of year, it's crazy. Like, I claim that parking in Jesus' name, right? Like, we're just like, God, be with me. Just be with me. Why? Because on some level, we're just born we're born with this knowing that if God is with me, my life will be better. If God could be with me, everything will change. He will change the situation. And what does he change? Well, it means we don't have to fear anymore. It changes our insecurity. It changes our fears. It changes our brokenness. It changes how lost we are because when he is with us, everything changes. The problem is this, church is that very often we forget that God is actually with us. And even when we remember, we don't believe. I think some of you have come into church, maybe you're watching or listening, and you're looking at your life and you're saying, don't come around and tell me God's with me. You don't know what I'm going through. Like, I don't feel God. I haven't felt God for a long time. And if God was really with me, these things wouldn't be happening. And you know, there's something about this time of year, this Christmas time, I, it's like a great magnifier. Have you noticed that? Like Christmas seems to be able to magnify everything. Like all the good things seem really good. And then all the bad things, all the pain in life seems really painful. Maybe you're going through some hurt right now and you're like, it doesn't feel like God's with me. Maybe you're facing an empty chair in your house and it's empty because of death or divorce or distance. And you look at this and, and now with this magnifier of Christmas, it just feels like the pain is too much. I don't feel God right now. Maybe you've got some bad news about your health and you're like, I don't feel God. I'm, I'm worried this might be my last Christmas. I'm worried it might be the last Christmas of a loved one. I don't feel God right now. Maybe you have some relational tension, right? There's something about Christmas that can just magnify all that relational tension, right? Those people that now might be family that you're like forced to hang out with and you don't even like them. Maybe you're sitting next to them right now. Don't look at them. Uh, there's something about Christmas, right? It just like magnifies this relational tension and and, and all that like stuff that just comes to the surface and you're sitting and you're thinking, 
You know, and I feel the pain of these broken relationships and these people that are estranged and cut off and these friendships have lost, these family members have lost. It doesn't feel like God is with me. Maybe you're looking at our country and you're saying, how could God be in this? And you're worried and you're overwhelmed and you're like so done with the pain of load shedding, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. And you're sitting and you're looking forward and you're thinking, what is this? How does this end? What's this going to be like for my kids? Where's this economy going? How's this going to affect businesses? Are we going to survive this? How, how does this get better? And you're looking at these things, or maybe you've done something recently and you're covered in shame. And you're like, God doesn't want me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've been living. Man, there's no ways God would want me. I'm, I'm a write-off. Like I've just done too much. I've lived too much. No ways. Well, I want to tell you that if you feel like that at all, I'm so glad you're in church today because Christmas is a giant cosmic billboard telling you as loud as it can, God is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. God is with you. Look at someone and say, God is with you. And church's presence, when we, when we believe that, when we know it, when we live conscious of his presence, it changes everything. And I know you might be hurting right now, but then I want to say, if that is you, if you're in pain of any kind, well, God's with you even more. Because the Bible says that he is close to those who are brokenhearted. In fact, it tells us in Psalm 46 that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Isn't that beautiful? He's not waiting for you on the other side of the trouble while you go through this. And when you sorted things out, let me know. No, he's an ever-present help in our times of trouble. If you are in pain or hurt or brokenheartedness, he's with you even more. And his presence changes everything, church. Now, because of his presence... When I'm hurting and I feel like I'm alone, now I have his presence as my friend. When I'm lost and I don't know which way to go, I have his presence as my guide. When I'm in the middle of my trial, I have his presence as my comfort. When I'm sick, I have his presence as my healer. When I'm weak, I have his presence as my strength. When I'm lost in my sin, I have his presence as my savior. His presence changes everything. And I want to tell you, God is with you. And I look at words like in Romans chapter 8, when Paul is writing, and I find this so encouraging. Paul is looking at this love of God, the strength of God's love for you. And he writes this in Romans 8.35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble? No, church, trouble will not do it. Will hardship? No, hardship will not do it. Will persecution, no, persecution will not do it. Will famine, famine will not do it. Will nakedness, how did they get on the list, right? No, it will not do it. Will danger, no, will sword, no, he says no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I'm convinced, he says, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither everything present or in the future, nor any powers, nor any height, nor any depth, nor anything else in all of creation, in case you had doubt, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can do it. And so I don't know what you're struggling with, but your questions will not separate you from God's love. Your theological battles 
the divorce you've been through, the sin you're struggling with, the battles you're facing, they will not separate you from the love of Christ. You're, all your questions about the future, all your insecurities, your mental health struggles, they cannot separate you from the love of Christ. And even if you think God feels far away, He is not. Christmas is here to remind you, God is here. Emmanuel, God is here. He's come. And so I pray that today that issue would be settled in your heart. That you would know it is done, it is certain, it is set, there's no changing it. God is here. And so here's the big question for Christmas. God is here, but are you with God? That's kind of the big question that we have to answer. God is here, but are you with Him? Are you with God? You know, for the past few weeks, We've been dealing with this closer series, really, with the intent of us getting closer, more intimate with Jesus. And the theme verse of this whole series has been James 4, 8. Hopefully by now it's like underlined and highlighted some notes there in your Bible. It says this, draw close to God, draw near to Him. And He has a promise, it's a beautiful promise, church. He will draw near to you. Draw near to Him. He will draw near to you. And you know what that tells us, church? The next move is yours. God made the first move, by the way. He made it right now on Christmas Day. He made the first move when He sent His Son, when He dealt with your sin, when He paid the price for your eternity, when He took away your sin and your shame. He made the first move when He withdrew every single barrier that stood between you and Him. He's done all of that work, but there's one thing God would not do. He would not force himself on you. God would not affect your free will. He would not force you to love him and force you to worship him. You know why? Because then it wouldn't be true love and it wouldn't be true worship. Here's what God did, and this is true love. True love is when you can look at all the beautiful things in this world, and this world is full of beauties. It's full of pleasure. It's full of desires. When you could look at everything this world has to offer, and you look at God and say, God, you are more beautiful than all of these things. I love you more. God, you are more wonderful than all of these things. You are more magnificent. When you can look at all the things that pull for your worship and your attention and your passion, all the things in this world that say, hey, that's worthy of my attention. That's worthy of my affection. That's worthy of my passion. That's worthy of my worship. I should praise that and acclaim that. When you look at all these things pulling for your worship, and then you look at God and you say, God, nothing compares to you. You are more magnificent and more beautiful than all of these things. Church, now that is true worship. God is not going to force himself in you. The next move is yours. It's yours to make. And if you will draw close to him, he will draw close to you. He's waiting for you to make the next move, but he's made the first move. You can only ever love him because he loved you first. And now he looks at you and says, will you make the move? Will you open the gift? I've given you the gift, but I will not open it for you. You've got to want this. And so he says, now you can ask. You make the move and you'll receive. Now you seek. You seek and you'll find. Now you knock and the door will be open to you. Now you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. The next move is yours. Look at someone and say, the next move is yours. And so the question of Christmas is, will you make it? Will you make the next move? 
And how do you do that? Well, you invite God in. You invite His presence into your life, into every part of your life. You invite God's presence into your thinking. You invite Him into your family. You invite Him into your marriage. You invite Him into your business. You say, God, you are with me. I want to be with you in everything, in all of this. It means the problems you're facing right now, the issues you're facing, the tension you're facing, that empty seat, the brokenheartedness, the grief, all the stresses and the worries about this country or the future. It means I invite God in. I will not go through this alone. I invite him in because I understand that if he is with me, it changes everything. His presence changes everything. Will you invite him in, church? You know, I think one of the problems with our society is that we really value independence, don't we? Like we grow our whole lives from the time we were kids. And what's our goal? One day I want to be independent. Like this is it, like I want to like, because what is our version of success? We think you're successful when you need no one else. When you need no one to help feed you or clothe you or make you feel good. When you need no one to help you in life or counsel you or give you advice. When you need no one else, we look at you and say, wow. What a successful man. What a successful woman. She is so independent. She's got it. She's waxed life, man. He's figured it out. Man, what a boss. Whoa. Man, so strong. Look at the person. So strong. Needs no one. Can I tell you, that is the devil's goal for your life, independence. It is not God's goal for your life. You know what God wants for your life? Lots of dependence. Lots of dependence. He wants you to depend on him for everything. He says that he is the vine and you are the branch. And actually without him, you can do nothing, which means without Jesus, church, you can do nothing of value. Your life means nothing. There's nothing that's going to last for eternity apart from Jesus. It literally means it stands for, for nothing. It means nothing. The devil is so hoping that you want to be independent. And you, want, you can be, do you know that you can live so independent that you believe I don't really need God? Even while you're using the breath he's putting in your lungs to say those words. I don't need God. We can live like I don't need God. I can go into this meeting. I don't really need God. I can parent my kids. I don't really need God to do this. I don't really need him to go shopping. I don't really need him, right, to be a husband or a wife. I don't really need God. Like, Independence, we see as strength and success, but the most successful thing you can do is to depend on and rely on the God who is here every single day. God created you for dependence, to depend on Him and depend on His family. Depend on Him and His family. Guys, God, you need God, but God needs you too. He needs you to establish his kingdom on earth. And he's deposited something in you that's special for his kingdom, to grow his kingdom. He's put something within you. He needs you. He's created you with divine purpose. He needs you to extend his kingdom on earth. From the beginning of time till now, we see it's not the angels that do that work. It's not God just snapping his fingers and his work's done. No, he's just always used people. He's crazy that way. I don't know why he chooses to do that, but he does he doesn't mind how messy and complicated that is. He uses people. Look at someone and says, say to them, he wants to use you. Because he uses people. 
So God, you need God, but God needs you. And so he wants you to be dependent on him and even his family. That's how he's created it because church guys, man, you need church. You might not know it, but you need it. But church needs you. Because there is a dependency that's built within us to be dependent on God and to be dependent on his family. So for those of you, you're doing your once a year visit in church. Here's a chance for me to remind you. You need God, but God needs you. And he's created you to be dependent, not just on him, but also on his family. He's created you for dependence. And so the question is, as we celebrate the fact that God is here, are you with him? And if you're not, well, then just do what James 4, 8 says and draw close to him. And say, God, today, from today, I want to declare dependence on you and your people. I'm going to draw closer to you. I want to draw closer to the Christian community. I'm, I'm going to draw closer to your word. I'm going to draw closer to church community. I'm, I'm going to draw closer, God, because I understand that this is a package deal. And as I draw close to you, you draw close to me. Don't go through Christmas and miss the best gift. I promise you, it's not lying under a tree. It's a person. His name is Jesus, and he is here. You know, there might be many things in life you're facing and many things you're doing independently. And I think today is a day where we need to take stock of our life. And we need to say, God, what am I doing without you? Where have I lived and I haven't even invited you in? What problem am I going through and I haven't even asked for your presence? What good things am I celebrating that I haven't even brought you into? He doesn't just want to be part of the problems. He wants to be part of the good stuff. Today's the day where we say, God, I'm reminded that you are here. Otherwise, you know what, church? We're like the kid who's lying in the room, scared of the shadows, and we never call out to our father. And man, that is, that's not a fun way to live. And that's not a way you need to live because God has made a way. And Emmanuel has come. God is here. And he's here for you. Will you invite him in? Can I ask you to close your eyes for a moment? Perhaps there's some parts of your life where you realize you're just, you're so independent. You're not leaning on God at all. You're not calling out to him. Maybe it's in your parenting, your business. Maybe it's in your struggles right now with your health or your mental health, or some relational problem, or your grief. Maybe it's in your finances or your big worries about the country and this future and what's going to happen. But, but perhaps you've just been facing so many things and you're just doing it on your own. But the good news of Christmas is that you don't have to do it on your own. God is here. And the invitation is, will you invite him in? And a great way to do that is to just wherever you are, just pray this prayer. God, I need you. I need you. In fact, I started the spiritual practice a while ago in my life where in the mornings I try to make that the first thing I say. Just, God, I need you for this day. I don't want to live independent. I don't want to be the rock star who can do it all on my own. I need you, Lord. I need you. And right now you might just want to say that over your family. God, I need you there. Over your business. God, I need you. I don't want to do that alone. I don't have to figure it out on my own because your presence changes everything. Maybe you want to speak that over your marriage. 
God, I need you there. I need you. Even if it's good, speak it over your marriage. I need you, Lord. God, today we declare our dependence on you. And we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you, Emmanuel, that you are here, that you have come to earth. We want to be with you too. In fact, with every eye closed, I want to ask this question. I believe some of you today, you've never really invited Jesus into your heart. You've lived independent your whole life. You've never declared Jesus as Lord or you've never become a Christian before and you're realizing today that it's time. It's time to step into the family. And guys, I can't think of a better day. Come on. Christmas Day to open that gift of salvation. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And so some of you today, you know that you need to invite Jesus into your heart. And all, I just want to pray with you. And just so I know who I'm praying with, if that is you, maybe God and you have not been in a good space. Maybe God has been distant. Your faith has been distant. And you want to recommit your life to God. If that is you, all I want you to do so I know who I'm praying for is lift your hand and put it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, hands all over this room. There are people coming back, back home, back to the family of God. We're going to pray a prayer with all those who raise their hand, and just so they don't feel put on the spot, I'm going to ask the entire church family to pray this with me. Can we pray this prayer? Let's say this. Dear God, thank you for loving me, and thank you for finding me. Today I give my life to you because you loved me first. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God. That you lived and died and rose again. And so today, I declare you are Lord of my life. From this moment forward, I will depend on you. I give my life to you. And I'm so sorry for everything I've done apart from you. I give you my past. I thank you that you forgive me for all of it. And that today I am washed clean. Thank you for inviting me into your family. I look forward to doing life with you. From today and into eternity, in Jesus Christ's name I pray. And God's church says, can we give a hand to every single person? Yeah!